like today is just like an amazing day here at the bridge. And um, we also have a special guest speaker today. Uh, so Rick Mann, he is a professor in Nashville. And uh, he is currently working. I wanted to tell, give you the long list of things that he's done. And I, I couldn't. We would actually be here till like 11. So, um, uh, but he just he, currently with the Central Pacific District, he is working with leadership development. And I met Rick at our conference uh, a few months ago that was out at the Alliance Redwoods. And then I saw him at a polity course a couple weeks ago and just really connected with him. And I heard his message and I was like, man, I would love for you to come to the bridge. And he was like, I was already planning on talking to you about that. And so it was like a perfect match. And so Rick, thank you for being here this morning. And we're so excited to hear your message. And so would you welcome up Rick Mann with me? So Luke, Luke, right? Yeah, Luke, yeah. Luke's 18. 17. 17. Yeah. Okay. Got to get, uh, is Luke back there? Luke, our, yep, yeah, here he is. There's back there. Anyway, it's a privilege to be with you today. Just a little story. I was talking to the district superintendent because I do live in Nashville. I'm a, a professor there. And I think we're going to see our slides here as we talk about intentional living and how to be less busy. So, uh, so this is a little bit of me. I'm professor of leadership and strategy at a Nazarene university in Nashville. And so when, uh, when I was talking to the district superintendent about Rob Douglas and he wanted to move leadership development forward in this district, I said, well, I think I could help out. He says, well, you live in Nashville. Well, we've got John Brown who lives here and works in Cambodia. So, so the idea of what it means to go to work today has been changed. So I'm a week a month in California here. I spend my other three weeks in Nashville and do things remotely. But what we want to do is really mobilize you as, a, as the church to help you live intentional lives so you can touch lives of many other people in the name of Jesus. And so you might say, okay, Rick, I understand leadership here, but I don't understand what strategy means. So we have a simple 10 word. I give this to my graduate students so we can say, what is strategy? Strategy is advancing what you care about. That's five words. Say that with me. Advancing what you care about. So that's the first. So you say, okay, what do you care about? What is it in your life and work that you'd like to advance? Now, this is going to be a little different message because I'm not an every week preacher like Billy is. I, I have an everyday job as a professor. The other thing I wanted to let you know, that's why I was mentioning Luke in the back, who's 17. When I was 18, I did not grow up in a church. I was born in Los Angeles, didn't grow up in a church. But when I was in high school and I was 18, a girl invited me to church. She said, you want to go to church? Nah. No, come to church with us. Well, I didn't know about church, but I did like her. So I went to church, and I'm sitting there, and a guy up at the front like me says, you can have new life in Christ, and Jesus will forgive your sins. And I still remember looking to my left and looking to my right and thinking, these are pretty nice church people. They don't have near the sins that I have because I had led a pretty hard life uh, I'd kind of run the streets. My parents were divorced. And so when he said at the end, you can have new life in Christ today, just stand up and come forward. I was like out of my seat, walked up to the front and prayed to receive Christ. I'm not going to ask you to do that today, but I am going to ask you at the, at the end of this service, if there's anybody who would like to give their lives to Christ for the first time, 
I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you just to look at me. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front because that changed my life that day. Now, here's what happened a couple weeks later. I went off to college, and I was in the dorm talking to Chuck Schrubert one day, and I said, Chuck, what are you doing? He says, I'm talking to a couple Christian girls from the dorm across the street. I thought, Christian girls? I'd never heard that term before. So one of those girls was Sherry. She's with me here today. We've been married over 40 years. And so God can change your life in a moment, and that might even be today. Anyway, that was just a little bit of a side to tell you that at the end of this service, I'm going to ask who wants to give their lives to Christ uh, even for the first time. So, uh, okay, let's say this again. Uh, let's say it with me, these five words. Advancing what you care about. So at lunch today, you can gather at your home or in a restaurant and say, "Is what are some things that you like to care? What did you care about that you'd like to advance?" And so the second five words are, and we can just see it right there: with your limited temp resources. In other words, we don't have all the time and money in the world, so we say. What is it we care about, and what are the resources we have? So people say to me, okay, what does TEMP stand for? Well, it's time, energy, money, and people. So when I teach everyday folks or graduate students about strategy, I said, it's just deciding what is it you care about that you want to advance, and what resources do you have available? And they're like, well, Rick, 10 words is kind of a lot, even to remember. And so I said, okay, let's, uh, let's see if we can... Uh, uh, okay, so let me just talk about tonight... We're getting on a flight to Alaska uh, at, at SFO in San Francisco. Because one of the things we're, we, we like to do is we like to go and visit the national parks around the country. We've been to many in California. So tonight we will be at the, this week we'll be at the gates of the Arctic National Park. This is a picture of it. So we want to live intentional lives. And one of those is to get out and enjoy God's creation, the national parks that are free all across America, and California has uh, seven, eight, or nine great national parks. All right, so that was just, a, that was just an aside there. Okay, so we talked about uh, advancing what you care about with your limited attention. That's 10 words. How about just one word? Okay, one word, intentional. Say that with me, intentional. Okay, intentional means, what does it say right there? Being intentional means making deliberate choices to reflect what is most important to you. So you can see a similar idea. What's important to you and how can we move that forward? And so when you live intentional lives, you know what happens? People graduate from college. You know what happens? Uh, you reach Cambodian people like John Brown has. When you lead with intentionality, good things happen. And so the challenge is going to be to you today to say, could I leave my life more intentionally? And uh, so this is, uh, this is part of that challenge. This is from John 17, 4. I was reading this earlier this year, and the Lord really made it stand out to me. And I realized that I don't have to do everything in life. I don't have to work 100 hours a week. I don't have to do this, that, and the other thing it says here. I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. So I hope that's our prayer today. So let's say this together uh, uh, with me. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. 
And so I don't know what the work is for you, what it is for me, but if you're a high-capacity high person, you can do a lot. If you have MS or you're limited or you have uh, handicaps or those kind of things, you can do what the work that the Lord has given you today if you live an intentional life. And so that's what we want to talk about a little bit is how we can live intentional lives that will bless more people more and fulfill this challenge. I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Being intentional can help you to be more purposeful in your life. It can make you a different person at home. It can make Luke a different... Hey, Luke, are you back there? What grade are you in? Uh, you're in, you're in, are you in 11th grade? Okay, I'll ask your dad. Your dad's a, what, 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 what grade's Luke in, Bully? Oh, did he say he's going into 12th grade? He's going into 12th grade, okay. He's a rising senior. You know what Luke says? Luke's going to say to Billy, do not invite that guy back. <laughs> he is scary. He comes in here. But so Luke, thanks for being my sermon partner today. But, here's, but I said to him earlier, I said, Luke, this sermon is for you. Uh, now, this young lady right here, what's your name? Leah? India. India? India. Okay. And how old are you? 13. 13. Okay. You know, it's not easy being 13, 17, 22. I call it the 13 to 30 journey. And some of you can remember back when you were 13, 15. Going from 13 to 30 is a challenging journey. And, and so I just want to pause and pray for our, the, those who are in the room right now who are 13 to 30, because we just want to let you know, we are here cheering you on, supporting, encouraging you, because it is a difficult journey from 13 to 30. And I've worked with that age group pretty much my whole life. So let's just stop and pray together. Lord, today we want to pray for our 13-year-olds. We want to pray for Luke, who's 17, and for those who might be 25, 27. Lord, so much happens between 13 and 30 that we want to stand with them, that they might love Jesus at every point in their lives, but particularly in these important years. So we pray for them now in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you live an intentional life, it can make the difference of who you are at school, who you are at work, and um, it can help you to be less busy. So if you look at the statistics, the Gallup poll today, what they would say the biggest problem with the workplace today is that less than half the people are engaged at work. So what happens is, is if you go to work and you care, you're an unusual employee today. So if, you're, if you are interviewing for a job, uh, today, and they said, why should we hire you? Because I care, I'm intentional, and I want to be engaged. They might say to you what I say sometimes when I, employ, when I interview employees. Do you have any other friends? Because we live in a world of employees who are not engaged, who are not intentional. So this message today, you will spend most of your life this week outside these walls. You'll spend most of your life outside of church. So we want to equip you to be intentional 24-7 throughout the week, whether you're a student, whether you're a worker, whether you're at home. And being intentional can change your marriage. And just think, um, um, uh, I won't give that story, but um, just think if you were to go home today and you said to your wife or husband, I want to be more intentional in our marriage. That could change your marriage as you think about going forward. 
Now, here's 99 words that uh, can change your life. This is from 9, uh, Matthew 9, 36. And as we, look at this, as we look at this text, what we realize is that Jesus was intentional in bringing new life to the world in a difficult day that we live in. And so I'm just going to read this for you. You can follow along with my screen. In fact, I'm going to read up there because the text here is a little bit small. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, what was his response? He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the, Lord, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. These 99 words change the world, and they give a model for how we can live intentional lives today. As we go out in our everyday workplace, we can follow this model that Jesus gave us. And so what we see here, and this is just a, like I said, Jesus' strategy. I'm a strategy professor. And this is a similar idea from Luke 8.1, 9.1, and 10.1. And let me just do a little bit of summary. What we saw in Luke 8.1 there is Jesus went out into the villages, and he took the 12 disciples, and he took some women in, um, with him. And when they went out, they saw him bring healing and wholeness to the people around him. And then in Luke 9, 1, he says, um, you can do this too. Now, some of you might remember the story, the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, the, there were f- uh, four or 5,000 people out there. The disciples said, uh, Lord, these people are going to need something to eat. Does anybody remember what he said to them? Anybody remember? He said, you feed them. He said, they said, I hate it when he does that. So what Jesus did, Jesus did not come to save the world through his own, through his cross. I mean, I I think there's a cross there, there's a cross here. So we do have salvation through the cross, but the gospel goes forward with people like this Cambodian couple here through John is Jesus's strategy is for everyday folks. So in Luke 9, 1, we see the 12. In 10, 1, we see the 72. But here's what Jesus did. He always said, the 12 are not enough. The 72 are not enough. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. He sends out even more workers in the harvest field. Now, how many of you will go to work tomorrow? Okay. How many of you will go to school tomorrow? You going to school tomorrow? Summer break, right? Oh, oh, that's right. It's... uh, (laughs) We work all year round, but we don't go to school all round. Okay, Luke in the fall, he'll be a rising senior. So what will happen is, is that all of you know 10, 20, 30 people that Billy doesn't know. You may be the only pastor they ever have. And so when you go from this place and you live intentional lives, the intention is that you would go out into harvest and you would be workers in that harvest field. And that you can do this at 13, you can do this at 17, you can do this at 25. And so we see the strategy of Jesus was to go out there, to send out, and then to pray for even more workers in the harvest field. And really, when we were, when we were thinking, uh, um, where's John? Yeah, there's John right there. Is that's really what they're doing at this school. They've got these rural kids who are coming to the school to be equipped to lead intentional lives to take the gospel to their village, their village folks. 
Okay, so let me uh, just read this. This was, this was an article that was published this year. It's called The Most Strategic Mission Field. Is not in these four walls. It says, Workplace Evangelism in the Great Commission. And I'd like to read you a few excerpts from this article. It says, now, the Lausanne is a conference. It's a global conference on evangelism, and they had a subcommittee on workplace, and it was in Manila. Michael O is the CEO of Lausanne, and he says here, 1% in the global church are professional ministry. The other 99% are often greatly neglected. Now, how many, uh, Billy, how many paid people are here, there at, the, here at the church? Uh, a few. A few. Okay. The other 100 or 200 are not paid. Okay. If you're paid by the church each week, raise your hand. Okay. I think you're right. A few is about right. About three. Okay. That means all the rest of us, like you and me, have regular jobs. And so we are in the workplace, and the Great Commission is only going to be successful if you and I participated through intentional living. So we see here, you, the 99, that's me and you, do not exist to help Billy and the others to fulfill the Great Commission. They exist to help us fulfill that Great Commission. So they're the trainers, they're the coaches, they're the ones to equip us to go out and be that. Because like I would say, if, if I were to pick on, uh, on India or Luke or others, you all know 10, 20, 30 people in this community that, that Billy doesn't know. And so the Lord is going to use you if you live intentional lives to reach out and to touch their lives in that way. And it says, what if the 99% understood that playing a part in someone's journey of faith could begin with something as simple as a cup of coffee. Anybody love coffee in the room? Wow, look at that. We got some coffee drinkers in the room. And uh, a cup of coffee with a colleague, encouraging someone who had a rough week, or offering a helping hand to a boss. This is intentional living in the workplace. And so if you go to work and you care, you're an unusual worker today. Many people go to work each, each day. They're not engaged. They don't care. So if you care, you can make a difference uh, for the kingdom. In, and this is, uh, this is from one, someone uh, from the Sun Global Workplace Forum. In order to fulfill the Great Commission, every believer, me and you, needs to be a minister in every place is a place of ministry. Would you agree with me, Billy? Okay. So the pastor's on, online with that. All right. Uh, who is the Lord showing you? In verse 37, those 99 words I show you, in verse 37 it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. This is the NIV version, I believe. In the New American Standard, it says, they were distressed and downcast. Do you ever meet people in this community who are distressed and downcast, helpless and harassed? We live in a world of discouraged and lonely people. And so uh, they are like sheep without a shepherd. And so we want to pray uh, together. Let me pray for us this morning. God, who are the crowds around me? So just close your, close your eyes with me as we pray together. And I want to ask you, what does the Lord bring to mind when we say this? Lord, what does it say here? Lord, who are the crowds around me? And so now open your eyes and, and, and think about what you saw. Did you see something that looked like this? And maybe you don't have this many crowded streets here 
in, uh, in this community in Santa Rosa. It could be in New York City. It could be in Manila and uh, in any global city. But the question would be is, when you think about crowds, are you moved to compassion or are you irritated? We're going to be at the airport later today in San Francisco. When you walk in the airports and you see the crowds, how do we feel? Oftentimes, we respond with irritation rather than compassion as we think about this. And so what we see here is, um, is Jesus, when he saw the compassion, he had compassion on them. And so what I'd, like to, uh, what I'd like to do is just pause and pray in the Lord. Say, Lord, give us hearts of compassion for the people out there who are harassed and helpless. Let me pray for us. Lord, I just pray as we pause today, and as we're in this room, it's air-conditioned, it's not too crowded, it's comfortable, it's peaceful. But Lord, as we go out into the community this week or this fall, if we go to college or high school or middle school, Lord, we're going to see some crowds, and we pray that you would give us a heart of compassion towards the crowds that we see. We'd not be irritated, we'd not avoid them, but Lord, you would say, Lord, may your compassion go out to the crowds through us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's continue here. And uh, so we see some uh, sheep here. Uh, We drove yesterday from Sacramento over to here, and when you drive across California, you, know, you see landscapes like this, brown grass, a few trees here and there, some rolling hills, and that. And you see this ship there. And then we see this picture. What's the difference between that picture and this picture? Okay, go ahead. I saw that hand. Yeah. Yeah, the man right there. What is your name? Trish? Okay, she saw it there. The difference between... Uh, let's do this. The difference between this picture and this picture, uh, let, let me go here. This picture has a shepherd. So what, what happens is, is that Jesus said when he saw the crowds, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so the difference between these two pictures is no shepherd and a shepherd. And so we can see this. We come back and we say the crowds are like without a shepherd. So what we can ask ourselves is when we think of home, school, work, and church, we can be the difference because we care. Because we care we're living intentional lives. And so this is the world. This is a Harvard report, loneliness in America, how the pandemic has what? How the pandemic has deepened an epidemic of loneliness and what we can do about it. Here's what's disappointing about this Harvard study. You know what they say? The government should do more. You know what? If government is going to solve loneliness in America, we're probably in trouble. You know what can make a difference in this community of with lonely people is this church. The church can care about, and, and I don't have the full report. You know what the full report? It says, making caring common. That's this Harvard report, the title page. Making caring common. And here's an NPR says, more than three in five Americans are lonely with more and more people reporting feeling like they are left out, poorly understood, and lacking companionship. There's hundreds and thousands of people in this community that fit this bill. Uh, On Friday, we had a few minutes before we came over from San Jose, and we went to a park 
outside of San Jose. And there was a lady walking along there. And we got to talk to her. She had a camera. We were talking about birds and those kind of things. And then Sherry does what we often like to do. She says, how we can pray for you. And what did the lady say, Sherry, when you asked her that? Yeah, she asked if we could pray. She says, I don't know what that means. And so, uh, so we uh, Sherry, she just said, but sure, go ahead. Uh, most people will let you pray for them. And so Sherry prayed a prayer of blessing over this uh, older lady who was just in this park by herself. And we said, what are you looking for? She was looking for what kind of bird? Black-chinned a black-chinned hummingbird in California. They don't have those in Nashville. Really. So she was looking for this bird. So she was out wandering around by herself. And, and so, so we were walking along. And later on, on the path, we saw a hummingbird. And so we, um, we, uh, we saw this. And so we, go, we went back to find Peggy. We, we found out her name. And we say, Peggy, we think we found, it. We found a hummingbird up on their path. We'd like to show you. So we, she comes up. We continue talking. And Sherry says, we're going to leave now, but Peggy, we're going to be praying for you today now that you'll experience God's blessing. And what did she say when, when we said that, Sherry? She said, I'm going to do this more. Yeah, she said she was alone, and she said she had some problems in her life, some issues she was facing. And so you know what Peggy was? Peggy was like thousands and thousands of people in our community. These are people who are, uh, what do we see here? They feel left out, poorly understood, lacking companionship. These are lonely people. And I say at the bottom, our, fill, our world is filled with unshepherded people. And so what you can do is you can walk through your malls, you can walk through your schools, you can walk through your neighborhood, and you can be a shepherd in the lives of people. You can care for them. You can know their name. You can pray for them, living intentional lives. All right, let's, uh, let's keep going there. What can we learn from these four verses, nine, Matthew 9, 36, 37, and 10, 1? Is what we can see is, G, uh, let me go back here. Jesus came. He modeled ministry for his. He cared for people. He commissioned the 12, and he asked the Lord of the harvest for even more. So what I want you to do is I just want you to do these simple three things. And uh, ask the Lord to show you the world. Ask the Lord to show you his heart for the world. And be intentional. So Billy said um, that I'm the director of leadership development for this district. And some of you, how many would you say, I don't feel like I'm a leader? We got a lot of leaders in this crowd. <laughs> okay, let me try this again. How many of you say is, some days I don't feel like a leader? Okay, that's what I was thinking. Let's, say, let's just say that's half of you. But I, what I want to emphasize is, it's, it's not who you are as a leader, it's whose you are. And we're going to see that in just in a moment as we move towards the close. And we're going to say is that when Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives in your life, then you can be a person of influence wherever you go as you live, live intentional lives. Okay, so Sherry and I each morning say, Lord, help us to bless more people more today. And so we pray that, that wherever we go to the service station, grocery store, school, work, wherever, that we can bless more people more. And we can do this through a, through a simple leadership starting point called CPR. It's where we care, where we pray, 
and we reach out to those. So what, what we did with Peggy in this park, who we'd never met before, is we cared, we learned her name, we prayed for her right there, and what we hope too is I gave her my card with my email and my cell phone and say, Peggy, if you have needs along the way, feel free to touch base. And we, we, we connected her with the, um, the Alliance Church in San Jose. So CPR stands for caring. Say caring. Praying. 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 Reaching out. Okay, what's your name? What's that? Autumn. Anna? Autumn. Autumn. Yeah. Autumn. Yeah. And how old are you? 13? Okay, another 13-year-old. Okay, can you care? Pray? Reach out to your classmates? Do you think there's some lonely kids in your school? There's lonely people everywhere. Lonely people everywhere. And so caring is we just simply live intentional lives. So instead of just walking by people, we stop. We can ask them their name, how they're doing that day, those the simple caring things. We can pray with presence for people, or we can pray people on our own. So um, when Sherry and I stopped and met Peggy that day, um, we stopped and she said, can we pray for you right now? And, and, and she, she says, I don't know what, what that means. And so we did pray for her. Now, what you can do, how many of you, how many of you will go out to lunch today or this week? Go, go out to Eokaka. Here's what you can do. I've done it... Uh, Hundreds of times, thousands of times, a lot of times. And uh, so here's what you do. You say, hey, to your, you, you, so, so you're, the wait person comes up, the, the waiter, the waitress, and you say, what's your name? And she says, my name's Sue. Sue, when our food comes today, we're going to pray for it, and we wondered how we could pray for you. And, and, and she, she's going to get a little bit of that stunned look in her eye, like I don't know what you mean, and you say, uh, family, health, finances, work, uh, whatever this is, and you can you can pray for these things. So I was in I was in Colorado. Uh, I was in um, uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, and I, I said to the lady, "Hey, how can we pray for you?" She said, "I went to the doctor this morning. She was a college student, about 19, and she says, and the doctor said there's a hole in my heart, and I'm very fearful." I was in Minnesota, and I said, "Hey, how can we pray for you?" She says, "You're that guy." I said, "What do you mean?" She said, you were here in this restaurant a year ago, and you prayed for me then. She says, I'm really glad you're here today, because I drove in, and I ran my truck into my boss's car, and, he, and he's really mad. So I'm really glad you're here today. Okay. We were out in San Jose with a pastor of that church, and we asked Ming in a, in a Chinese restaurant. We asked Ming, said, Ming, how can we pray for you? We prayed for him there. He says, I go to your church. We said, what do you mean? He says, I know you. I go to your church. But they did not, this is a large church, they did not know each other. And so wherever you go, God is at work before you go. If you're 13, 17, 25, 75, it doesn't matter. You can say, we'd like to pray for you. Now, you have to remember a lot of people are waiters and waitresses because they're having some hardship in their life. They need a second job. They're single moms, these kind of things. And so I've done this hundreds and hundreds of times, and nobody's going to say, no, I don't like you. That's dumb. Don't pray for me. You have, a, uh, I was in the Philippines, and I was praying for the lady, and, and we did this. And we're halfway through our meal, and she comes back with another lady, and she says, my friend works here. She needs prayer more than I do. So you, could you pray for her as well? This is just intentional living. 
Do you care? Do you learn their name? Can you pray for people? So we'll call this restaurant CPR. Now, just imagine if, how many of you are trained in CPR, by the way? Wow, look at all his hands. Autumn, you can do CPR? So if I pass out here right on the floor, you could do that, you could do that whole thing? All right, okay. Because what CPR was, this was developed in the 60s to save lives of ordinary people. So, so doctors cannot be everywhere, so they train ordinary people to do CPR with people uh, like Autumn and others. So teenagers, older folks can save people's lives. So spiritual CPR is just say, hey, you know what? The world doesn't care. I care. You need prayer. I want to pray for you, and I'm going to reach out to you. And so we try to do this. You may be the only pastor or shepherd in a person's life. Now, if you say, wow, I don't feel very confident of this. I don't think I can be used by the Lord. In John chapter 5, it tells the story of the woman at the well. Now, she was out at the well at noon because she was a social outcast. She had had many husbands, and, and she was kind of an outcast. So she would come out to the well during an unusual time in the middle of the day when the other people weren't there. And so then something else happened is, is Jesus asked her for a cup of water. And she says, she says to him, uh, you a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. When, what in the world is going on on here? You know what he did? He intentionally cared. And he said, uh, Jesus said, everyone who drinks the water will be thirsty. But whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst again. The woman says, sir, give me the water that I would not get thirsty and have to keep coming back to draw water. Go and tell your husband and come back, he said. Then leaving the jar, the woman went back to the town and said, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah that came out? You know what she was? She was the pastor of that village. She told them the good news. Jesus reached into her life and changed her life, and she just merely gave testimony to that. So you don't have to be a good speaker. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to be on TV. You don't have to be well-educated to be someone who cares, who prays, and who reaches out to others, who does that, who does that CPR. Okay, so I'm going to just pray a commissioning prayer for you in just a moment. And, uh, but, but I said earlier, I'm going to ask today, is there someone in this room who would like to give their Christ, uh, life to Christ? Because I'm just wondering, is there someone who just wandered in here? I don't, know, I don't know why you came here. I don't know how you got here. But there's somebody here who maybe would like to give your life to Jesus. So why don't we close our heads and bow our eyes here. And, um, and I'm just, gonna, I'm just going to, uh, to walk us through this. And um, so let's, let's pray together. If you're here today and you have never given your life to Jesus, you can just pray this, Lord. You can just, we just call it uh, um, ABC. We're just going to admit, Lord, that we've fallen short of your standard. We have sinned in our life. We've not met the standards you have for us. And Lord, we come to you just like I did when I was 18 and said, Lord, I need you. I cannot save myself. The second is we need to believe. We believe that Jesus was crucified on the cross. He took all our sins away, and he is here to forgive those sons even today. And then C is to commit. Lord, I want to give my life to you that I might find new life in Christ. Now, I want you, uh, yeah, uh, uh, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, what I want to do is, if you say, Rick, I want to give my life to Christ uh, today, can you uh, lift up your head and look at me right now? 
I'm just looking across the room here. Okay, welcome to uh, the family of God. Okay, so, uh, so uh, for the rest of us then, you can, you can uh, lift up your heads now. And Lord, I just thank you for the person who looked at me right there who says, I want to give my life to Christ. And so we celebrate and welcome that person to the body of Christ. Lord, for the rest of us, we want to commit our lives to Christ. And so let's all stand together as we close and say, and say Lord, I want to live an intentional life where I can go out and be used of you in everyday ways to care to pray, and to reach out each month. And so if, uh, if that would be you, would you just say, yes, Lord, I want to be used by you. Can you say that with me? Yes, Lord, I want to be used by you. So I just want to pray a prayer of commissioning over you right now. And we have it here. I said, go and care for those in your church and in your community in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may provide his covering, his blessing, and his favor to you as you go about that work. So Lord, we give this day to you. We give this congregation to you. Lord, we thank you for the new life in Christ we saw today. And Lord, how you invite us to lead intentional lives. So we give our lives to you with thanksgiving now. In Jesus' name, amen.